is Jared of the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday, ESPN 1025, the game, Carolina and Tennessee on Sunday. And again, our coverage begins at 7 a.m. with the kickoff in the 9.30 to 11.30, of course, the pregame show live from the George Jones, Nick Kale in for me, Floyd and Chris Sanders will be having you set for that game. Now, on this Fireball Hot Take Friday, we have not really touched a whole lot on the Carolina Panthers. I mean, we've talked about how their defensive line might ravage the Titans' offensive line with Ben Jones out and probably Pam Field going to be starting at guard because Jameel Douglas will – oh, no, Saffold will play guard, and then Jameel Douglas will, will slide in at center, but who knows. But so I'm trying to figure out what how what what is this Carolina team? Like what are they? Are they a good team? I don't know. They're four and three, but two of their losses were the first two of the season when Cam Newton was at quarterback. Since Kyle Allen took over, they're four and one. But they did just go get creamed at San Francisco. But then as we saw last night on TV, San Francisco ain't no football team. Not gonna take anything away from them. Yeah, they got a chance to cream a bunch of people. Looks like. Carolina, 17th in in the NFL in total defense, 24th in points. That's not good. But they're third in forced turnovers. So, obviously, they're turning the ball over. They're second in the league in sacks. So, I mean, I've turned into you. Like, I'm worried about every game it feels like now. But this is a game on the road. And as exciting as those two games, the finishes were for Tampa Bay and for the Chargers Tampa Bay and the Chargers, record-wise, are not very good. Well, and they and they got embarrassed last weekend, you know, and they know that is not their team, you know, that's not the way we want people to think about us, and so they're gonna they're gonna have a little bit of that in their heart. But this is a good football team. This is a team that can, and the part that concerns me most about this game is that the areas there, the strongest, is probably where we're the weakest. Defensive line. Yeah. I mean, them. you know, they're going to be able to, to uh, their defensive front is legit, both versus a run and versus a pass. And we don't even know who's going to be playing in our offensive line. You know, I mean, we're still, we think we know, but we're kind of waiting to see. So uh, um, it's not, you know, that's that's the scary part about it. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, I think they, the quarterback is is solid. I, I'm not sure. I think Dean will be able to do enough versus him to maybe put a little bit of pressure on him. Maybe he makes a mistake and helps you. Uh, but we've we've struggled covering tight ends and running backs, and Dave Olson is a legitimate target as a tight end. And this running back is dynamite, and so, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't do something special for McCaffrey, he will beat you on his own. He is that good. I mean, he can go out there, he can score running, he can score receiving, he even throws. You know, I mean, he can do it all. He is special, and uh, and we haven't seen anything like him, you know, all year long. I think the big story here is that the Panthers have two of the best players in the league. McCaffrey and Luke Keekley. And it doesn't matter how many concussions Luke Keekley gets, but he goes out there. I mean, if you're going to, they're 27th against the rush. And on the TV show, the coaches' show, Mike Vrabel said one of the keys to the game was running the football. 
You know, he made that a big deal on the coaches' show. They got to run the ball. Well, if you're going to hand it off to Derrick Henry, which I would guess, considering that Carolina is fifth against the pass and 27th against the rush, I'm going to figure that they're going to turn around and try to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. Luke Keekley's going to be in on every tackle on Sunday. I mean, he's going to be standing right there every time you hand the ball off to Henry. So be ready to do something different because if you do that, Heakley's going to have about 57 tackles, uh, which is a which he concerns me as well. I mean, Carolina, Carolina is a borderline playoff team in my opinion. They have really good players. They have an experienced coach. They're in a pretty easy division now. New Orleans has run away with the division, but they're going to get their wins over Atlanta. They're going to get their wins over Atlanta and um, Tampa Bay although they went 1-1 one one against Tampa Bay this year. But they're going to win a lot of games. I mean, they're a borderline playoff team, and you have to play on the road without your starting center. Yeah, I mean, and the starting center part, if it was just the starting center, that would be one thing. But, you know, I mean, we're going to have a new starting center. We we know we have a new right guard. You know, I'm I'm praying Saffold can can line up and play so we have some kind of stability at left guard. Uh, but I mean that's just there's a lot of question marks in in an area that they are strong. You know that they're two DTs and Kickley inside. I mean that you're gonna if you think you're gonna make a living running there, you're probably you better be real real good because they are gonna be real real good. And I'm not sure, you know, I look at our our offensive line, the way it's set up, and I just don't see us knocking those two guys off the ball much. What I do wonder is the quarterback, Kyle Allen, three interceptions last week against San Francisco, had not thrown an NFL interception in his career before throwing three interceptions last week against San Francisco. Is there something on the tape that Dean can pull out? Is Kyle Allen good enough to beat you? You can't get into a shootout with this team because your offense isn't good enough. And that's the thing that kills me about Kyle Allen is that, I mean, he's a 200, he's a Titan ball quarterback. 18 for 24 for 213 and a touchdown. That's how he quarterbacks. Well, that is efficient enough to probably beat you. And that's where I, I get a little worried when it comes to Carolinas. I don't know much about Kyle Allen other than the fact that outside of last week, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. Yeah, he's he is doing, you know, kind of what, what Tannehill is doing from the standpoint they they feel pretty good about their defense. And they say, you know what, if we just don't go out there and screw it up on offense, we'll have a chance. And with, with McCaffrey at the, at the running back position, that gives you a chance. And so, you know, he needs to go out there. He completes some balls from Caffrey and gives the ball to, to Olsen and maybe hit a receiver now and then. And, hey, they're off and running. That's just what they want, just what they need. So, I mean, this is this is going to be a challenge. But like I said, the scariest part about this game for me is that their strengths is where we're going to be the weakest. And and how, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I get scared about the fact that they are not just going to be better than they are than we are in those matchups, but that they're going to dominate. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, we're going to be in real trouble. If you look at the NFC, and this, I mean, I know every game's big in the NFL, and we all know this is a must-win game for the Titans. But Carolina currently sits at four and three. If the playoffs were to start today. 
they would be far outside of a playoff spot because Minnesota is six and two and Seattle is six and two. So I feel pretty confident in saying that Seattle and San Francisco will claim two playoff spots in the NFC. Which, by the way, the Rams are at five and three. So they're nipping at the heels of Seattle. Oh, yeah. And that team was in the Super Bowl last year. And they got Jalen Ramsey. But so those three teams, plus Minnesota, I mean, if Carolina loses this game to fall to four and four, they could be getting close to out of it just because the Saints have pulled so far ahead in, in the division and the wild card teams are stacking up against them. It's one thing when you're one or two games out. It's another thing when you're two games out and you've got two teams to climb over just to get the sixth spot. And that's kind of where Carolina is starting to find themselves. So a home game after getting embarrassed last week against a Titans team with a less than stellar offensive line missing maybe its most valuable member of the starting center that uh, doesn't add up very well. That yeah. starts to get you a little worried. And I, I am scared sickless of the sickless. I am scared sick. Sorry, I'm a little sickless today. Sickless? I, <laughs> Sounds like a disease. Uh, I, what do you have? I've sickless got sickless. anemia. <laughs> yes, I am sickless. Uh, I am sick thinking about this game. I'm worried about Carolina now. Oh, so am I. I mean, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I've turned into you. I'm worried about every game. The only game this season I wasn't worried about, uh, Cleveland and Denver. And I was right to not be worried about Cleveland, and I was a 1,000% wrong to not be worried about Denver. I mean, I, I still didn't like the idea of going out to Denver, but I just figured the Titans had gotten embarrassed so badly that they were going to just put it to that bum Denver team, and I'll be darned if it wasn't the exact opposite of how that played out and essentially ended Marcus Mariota's career as a Titan right there uh, in Denver. But to me, I'm scared of Carolina. The numbers say they're an average team in this league, but the Titans at times have played a lot worse than an average team. So let's take your calls. Your thoughts on Carolina, 615-737-1025. We have not talked about Carolina really at all, 615-737-1025. Coming up next, Christian McCaffrey. How good is he? What player does he remind Floyd of? And what should the game plan to stop McCaffrey be? And can the Titans do it? We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM live on a Fireball Hot Take Friday from the Wholesaling Studio powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025, the game. I know you spoke about Christian McCaffrey yesterday. Is there, is there someone that he reminds you of that you either coached or played against? Um, I, I mean, they really, you know, I tried to tell the team today, you know, they, they have the the two best players at their position on their team. I mean, they have the best inside linebacker and they have the best, they have the best running back in the league. And uh, if you don't block 59, he's going to make the tackle on, on every play. I don't care if it's a run or a pass. And um, if, you, if you jump out of your gap against McCaffrey, uh, come under a block on the edge, he's going to find the hole. If you um, overrun him, he's going to cut back. If you stay high and soft, he's going to stiff arm you. Um, it's a great challenge. Um, for us, so I don't wouldn't even want to try to compare him to, to any player coached or played or gone against. So Vrabel says he doesn't want to compare Christian McCaffrey to anyone that he's ever gone against. My guess is there's a handful of guys in the running for the MVP award, and McCaffrey is right there at the top of the list. 
He should be. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks will end up there at the top of the list. I think Russell right he's, now is the yeah. There's one guy. there's probably a couple guys up there, but he he is of the non quarterbacks. He might be the number one guy. I mean, if you just said, okay, we're we're going to eliminate quarterbacks from this. Who's let's start at the top? Who's who needs to be considered? He'd be right there now because I mean, he does everything and he does it so well, unbelievable. So Vrabel would not answer the question when asked who McCaffrey reminds him of. Who does McCaffrey remind you of when you watch his all-around game? Well, uh, again, I, I, um, I've i said this a couple of times this week, but he, he reminds me of Marshall Falk from the standpoint that he can beat you any number of ways. You know, he can beat you running inside. He can beat you running outside. He can catch you. He can beat you. Catching the ball, he can beat you man for man. He can beat you in zone. He can beat. He can line up outside as a receiver, just as a slot receiver, and probably beat you. I mean, he's he is that talented, and uh, and I think that Marshall was like that. You know, you if you put a big guy on him, you think, okay, I'm going to get up there on him, and we're going to crush him. Well, he'd run right around you. You say, okay, I'm going to put a DB out there and let the DB take. Well, then he'd run over the DB. I mean, he just could do all those things. And I think McCaffrey's that way. He's not as big. I think Marshall was a little bit thicker. You know, they're not the same looking guys as much as I'm just talking about what they do to a football game is, is pretty much the same in my mind. So here's the crazy thing about the stats for McCaffrey. Now, remember, most of the league is through eight games, but the Panthers are not because they went to London, and like most teams do, they elected to take their bye after London. I guess if you play a London game, you get to pick. Do you want your bye after London, or do you want it before London, or you get to pick when you have your bye. So they elected to take their bye after the London game. So they've only played seven games, so they're not halfway there. McCaffrey last year had 1,098 yards rushing. He's got 735 this year, so he's on pace to have 400 more yards than he did last year. He had seven touchdowns all of last year. He has eight touchdowns this year. That's running the football. Receptions, he had 107 last year. He's got 39 this year. So they're throwing it less to him. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're throwing it less in general because Cam Newton's out and Kyle Allen is in. Uh, I do wonder how the Titans are going to plan to game plan for him. Floyd, if you were Dean Pease, what would you do? What would your game plan be to stop Christian McCaffrey? Well, I mean, you've got to, uh, you uh, in my mind, you have to go out and purposely put something together to stop him. You know, this isn't a game that you say, okay, we're going to go out here and we're going to play a lot of cover two, and that'll that'll make the difference. Or we're going to we're going to blitz a lot, that'll make a difference. Or, or we're going to no. I, I, I mean, I don't think you do it that way. I think you have to go out there with a specific intent of stopping him, and and however best you think you can do that, then that's what he needs to do. You know, I mean, we when we played Marshall, we put a DB in there and put the DB on Marshall wherever he went. Said, hey, you know, you go cover him, you you tackle him against a run, you do whatever it is that that uh, he's going to try to beat you on. You got to defend him, and it made a difference. It really did. Now, and and 
and I think Dean is going to need to do something like that. But I'm not telling Dean something he doesn't know. You know, he already knows that. And so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how he'll end up doing it. But he'll have a he'll he'll have a method some way somehow. Well, you brought up the idea of Logan Ryan being matched up with McCaffrey earlier in the week. I said earlier. I've said a Dory, and then you're right. Then like yesterday or whenever we talked about it, I said, you know, maybe Logan would be better to to do that. Um, and, and right now I'm kind of locked into Logan, I think. Do you think that the teams of the visiting teams ever listen to this show to see what you say you would do just to give them some ideas of, Hey, you know, Floyd said he would put Logan Ryan on McCaffrey. So maybe we need to prepare for them to put Logan Ryan on McCaffrey because you know, Floyd's smart and they're smart. So maybe Floyd's on to something. I would say if they do, they're really dummies. (laughs) <laughs> they don't need to be listening oh, to anything i, I would say. say if they do so, i would say if they, they do then they are like ernie adams level brilliant there you go <laughs> you know of the they, they walk around knows. with radios on all the time listening to every uh i mean i know people this uh, people will watch tv and they will um because there's always so many shots of you know, and here the Patriots are at practice today, and you know here's the picture of, and and they'll go through and look to see if somebody that was hurt is on the field or not on the field or whatever the case may be. But so I think that this radio show, if I were the visiting team or the opponent of the Titans, I think I would listen to this show every in. single week. <laughs> yeah, because it at least gives them an idea. If I'm the coaching staff there. I mean, Floyd probably knows more about the Titans than the Carolina staff does. And I know that they'll say, well, the Carolina staff has watched every tape this year and they've broken it down and they've done it. But Floyd, like, lives the Titans every day. So if I'm Ron Rivera and they say, hey, Floyd Reese said that he would put Logan Ryan on McCaffrey, then if you're Riverboat Ron, do you not want to then make sure to prepare for that opportunity? Because, you know, Floyd's pretty smart. Yeah, I see R- R- Riverboat Ron going into a staff meeting saying, hey, what did Floyd say today? <laughs> so I, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so to your original point about Logan Ryan being on Christian McCaffrey, I think you may be onto something, and it may be hidden in Logan's uh, interview with – Ian Rappaport on the podcast Rap Sheet and Friends in which he talked about, Logan talks about his defensive versatility and then listen to him talk about McCaffrey. And, you know, everybody wants to rank these corners and who does this and what does Gilmore do. What Gilmore does is elite in what he does. What Jalen Ramsey does has athleticism that very few others do. But then you got a guy like Kenny Moore who's a really good nickel in, in Indy and what he does with his blitzes and stuff are cool, but he plays nothing but zone. And then there's corners that play nothing but man and can't play zone. And there's some corners that travel and don't travel. So I'm like, who's? I'm trying to be a guy that does encompasses everything, has some blitzes with the best blitzing guys, covers like some of the best covering guys, and all in all, tackles. And I think what Charles Woodson did when he won defensive MVP, and you know my agents represented Revis and. Felt yep. like Revis should have run it that year, obviously. So, yeah, but um, so what he's able whatever. to do is really impact the game and make those game-changing plays. And you know, we're in a modern-day football now where we got a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's a Swiss Army knife, and he can run the ball and he can catch the ball, and they have these backs and wide receivers that can do both and spread you out. Well, why not have some versatile defensive weapons that can stop the run, stop the pass, play nickel all game? and have Logan adjust. So it's really fun. I think Dean's really let me grow this thing. I think I'm creating my own position here. So he talked about, you know, we got Swiss Army Knife football players like Christian McCaffrey. 
and he can do this, he can do that, and what kind of guy can go up against him, and then he kind of goes off that. And I'm wondering if he brought up Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey was on his mind because all week he's been watching McCaffrey because he will draw the assignment of McCaffrey. Oh, I don't know. But the other the other aspect of that, I think, that really um, could benefit them is if, in fact, he is adjusting to McCaffrey and he's the guy that's going to end up on him some way, somehow, it, it will also really, really help him disguise some of those blitzes and some of those things that he's doing. Because, you know, I'm sure they're going to do different things with McCaffrey trying to get him away or get him open. And and so if they put him to the strong side, then Logan's on the strong. They put him to the weak side, Logan's on the weak side. And and so, you know, maybe a blitz that was designed to come from one spot comes from another spot. And, and it might be a, you know, it might be a surprise. It might help. I'm just saying, I think Floyd's on to something there. Unless... Floyd was originally right that Adoree Jackson was going to be on McCaffrey. And then out of fear that Carolina is listening to this radio show for Floyd's expertise, one of Floyd's buddies at the Titans called over and said, hey, don't say Adoree's <laughs> going to be on McCaffrey because we don't want Ron Rivera to hear that. Ah, so yes. then Floyd changed his mind oh, yeah. Switch people. to put Logan on him. There you go. Ian, that's just a theory that I have. Not a bad theory, actually. Thank you. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. One thing I'm starting to become more and more disappointed about it as the Titan season goes along, and it's going to be even harder for me to accept. We'll get to next. And how this player thinks he can up his game. We'll get to that. Jared and the GM, Fireball Hot Take Friday. Everybody knows that I celebrate the weekend with ice-cold Fireball cinnamon whiskey. Big wedding this weekend in California. They got to have Fireball there. Why? Because everybody came to Nashville, and they took Fireball with them, and they went out, and they started going around to their hometowns, and they said, we got to have Fireball. And so just like places like Rancho Cucamonga, California, where I'll be tomorrow, I bet they have Fireball now. That's Ice Cold Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Ignite the night. Please do responsibly and be 21 years or older to enjoy Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Jared of the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game. Teams at the halfway point of the season, what, what, what do you feel like needs to, to get better to maybe help this team take the next step? Well, as a team or me personally? Probably both. Maybe you personally and then maybe as a team as well. I think we just uh, build off of the good things we're doing and just improve on things we need to work at. And as far as me, I feel like I can take it to the next level to help this team. You know, I always feel like I can do that, you know, to make this run that we want to make, you know, uh, you know, because it's hard to win in this league. So, you know, just I think just focus on being consistent at the good things. And then like you always do, like any other way, work on the things that we need to get better at and then, you know, let it carry on to the game. There was a whole lot of nothing right there from Derrick Henry when asked, you know, how can the team kick it to the next level? And then how can you? And he said, me or the team? Well, both. Okay, let me do team. Give you a generic coach speak answer. Then me, he said, I think I can take it to the next level. And I think we all know Derrick Henry can take it to the next level. It pains me to admit this because I have been a let the big dog eat proponent for forever. But Floyd Reese, here I am today, and I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at this team, and I'm looking at Derrick Henry, and I'm thinking, they need more out of him. I mean, they need more out of Derrick Henry. 
I mean, I really thought Derrick Henry could be a superstar running back. I'm starting to kind of waver off of that a little bit. I mean, I know he's got the potential. But like McCaffrey, who they go up against, McCaffrey does that every single week. Oh, yeah. He's he's not. He's completely different than that. Like even yeah. against Tampa Bay, he had some nice runs, but then he had the big fumble. And the big fumble almost killed you in that game. Well, yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that, that uh, McCaffrey doesn't fumble. I'm sure he does. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it, but I'm sure he does. Uh, but I think they're just completely different running backs mm-hmm. you know that's what's so odd they both play the same position but you know if you stood them next to each other and you watch tape on them and you go those guys play the same position and be surprised because it is it is different and it and you know whichever one you have that's you adapt to it but I don't mean, you feel like Derek can give them a little bit more than he's given them i mean you know Derek is right now is going to finish with probably 12 11 1200 yards i mean that's pretty good 1,200 yards is good. Um, so, you know, I mean, he he hasn't had the the uh, unbelievable plays that we're used to seeing. He's He is last week borderline. You know, he had a couple, I think, three 40-yarders, and, and at least one, if not two of them, were called back. You know, so he ends up with one. Um, but, I mean, he's going out there, and he's churning. He's getting his... 70, you know, whatever whatever his, his numbers average to, you know, 780, whatever yards per game, which is, which is really kind of what you expect out of the running game. The hard part about Derek is that he's getting it, you know, you would like for Derek to get it 3, 4, 2, 5, 12, to, and he's going minus one. zero, <laughs> minus one, minus five, 35 zero ones and and I think that if he was more consistent with with how he was gaining his 35 yards which isn't all his fault I'm not just blaming him but you know that's kind of style running back he is but if it was more you know a little bit every time I think it would help us with drives and possession and things like that Derrick Henry has the most negative plays in the NFL this year and He's averaging 3.8 yards a rush. And and I'm not sure that that is negative yards anybody's even close. In terms of uh, how many people uh, like how many they have. He and uh, here's how much Derrick Henry touches it. And I used to really get on the Titans about not giving him enough touches. I'm not sure I can make that argument right now. Derrick Henry touches it so much that the guy for everybody that runs uh 3.9 to 3.7 yards per carry. Uh Derek's got 151 carries. Peterson, 97. Connor, 97. David Johnson, 77. Gurley, 92. Henry, 151. And Montgomery in Chicago, 98. So those guys don't even get the ball nearly as much as Derrick Henry gets the ball. And he's still only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, which is not great in the NFL. Now, it does abide by my theory that if you average 3.3 yards a carry, then you'll get a first down. So that's a good thing. But... The truth is more laid in your point. If Derek was going to get 80 yards a game by getting a bunch of five-yard gains, you would take that to the 147-yard run that he gets and then all the negative runs right. and then the other 47-yard run that he gets that then cancels that out. Right. That is the problem with Derrick Henry right now because you can't sustain drives if you only have one 48-yard run every now and then. Well, and Derek is not – Derek is a – 
he needs a step or two to get going. You know, he needs to get rolling. And if he can't get that getting rolling, you know, the penetration or whatever, I mean, he's done. He's not a great jump cut guy. You know, he's not going to make a bunch of guys miss. But if he gets started, you know, if you can give him a step or two and let him get his foot in the ground and get started upfield, he's going to knock a few people over. You know, he'll turn a three-yard gain into a five-yard gain. But if he can't, if he can't do any of that, then it's going to be a negative play. You know, it's going to be minus two, minus three. I mean, it's just not because he can't get started. You know, he's not one step and somebody's there. He can't jump cut or he can't. He's not elusive enough to make a miss. And boom, he goes down. Guess what running back leads the NFL in yards per carry? And it's not even close. In yards per carry? Uh Uh-huh. Probably McCaffrey. No. McCaffrey is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. Okay. Lamar Jackson. Leads oh, the NFL in yards per carry, yeah. 6.9 yards per carry, 83 attempts on the season. So that's more than LaShawn McCoy, who's got 69. I mean, and I love Lamar Jackson, but the, your idea that he's more of a running back than he is a quarterback, I'm not going to say that I'm against that. I do wonder what <laughs> Belichick... Lead, he's leading the league in rushing per attempt. I would say it'd be hard to argue with I that. I wonder what <laughs> Belichick's going to do to him this week. That is going to be interesting to see how Belichick basically keeps Lamar Jackson in check. Let's go to Lance, who's up next on Derrick Henry. Thank you for calling. You go ahead, Lance. Yes, sir. If, you know, when you talk about Derrick Henry, he's going to end up the same way as uh, Marcus. I mean, he's going to be rut by that offensive line because half the time when he has those negative negative uh, runs, he's smelling the tackles or the guards' jockstrap where he ever gets the ball because they're getting knocked off the ball so bad. If he had opening, if you put – Christian McCaffrey behind that line, would he be as good as what he is? In the same way with DeMarc I mean with Marcus, you know, Marcus, one reason that you know, if you watch the new quarterback throw the ball and Mar- Marcus throw the ball, Marcus throws the ball off his back foot because he's scared to death. He's been broken leg, tore up elbow, messed up knee. I mean, you get hit that many times, eventually you turn into, you know, what am I gonna do with the ball and how quick am I gonna get rid of it? In that's you know I think Marcus got a bad rap, and you know from the time he threw the ball when he threw it well and had some zip on it to now, he throws the ball off his back leg and it floats. Yeah, I think uh, I think Henry gets a bad bad rap too. Thank I you mean, for the, thank, the, thank you for your call, Lance Floyd. How much do you buy into the fact that Derrick Henry's production and the negative yards are due in large part to the lack of success or the lack of ability of the Titans' offensive line, which is a very valid argument to make. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's in large part, but it's due. It's absolutely a fact that it's due in part. You know, I don't know how you measure which one's which, but, I mean, there's there's no doubt, but that that's a factor. I mean, when a, when a running back is getting hit in his own backfield, something's not right. You know, somebody missed something. <laughs> and... Uh, and I think that's happening, you know, in his case, probably far too much. Why were you all chuckles there when the uh, caller said that it's just like Marcus and you started chuckling? No, I, I don't know. I was just thinking, yeah, that's probably right. You know, it's probably legit. That's legitimate for everybody. Now, I just saw Ian chuckle when you gave that explanation, which makes me think Ian is not buying <laughs> your explanation for why you chuckle. My, my verbal explanation. I, I or my am Derek not, Henry explanation. I, I am not chuckling <laughs> by that. Uh, by the way, the Seahawks claim Josh Gordon 
off of waivers from New England. New England put Gordon on IR. Gordon said, like, it had, like, an emoji, like, huh, when he was placed on IR. And then I guess that was with the intent to later release Gordon. They have released Josh Gordon. What do you think of Josh Gordon to Pete Carroll in Seattle? And how did it? How did Josh Gordon not get claimed before it got to Seattle, who's having a good season? I, it's it's astounding to me that he can get claimed at all. <laughs> but but he does every. I mean, whatever he something goes bad and he messes up and he's out and missing games and not playing and and ends up on the market and somebody jumps right on him all the time. It's the same deal, you know. You you think. For what it's going to cost me, he's a tremendous talent, and you know, can I do something to get him better? Nobody has, but everybody thinks he can. It's all I typical, wanted to, typical to, coach. All I wanted to trade for to get him a couple of years ago was Kendall Wright, who hasn't even been on the Titans in three seasons. I'm pretty sure he's out of the league, and I that's all I wanted was Kendall Wright. Just trade Kendall Wright to get Josh Gordon, and yeah. the GM said no. And here's Josh playing three teams later. And still, well, no, really no, he's, he's not playing at all. <laughs> He'll be playing for Pete he Carroll. Is three teams later, but he's not playing. Maybe Pete Carroll get him in there. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Speaking of Pete Carroll, is Russell Wilson the leading candidate for MVP? The Athletic has their breakdown of the midseason awards. What do we think of that? We'll get to that coming up next here on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. Hey, show us why you're the biggest Alabama fan for the chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel to Yucatan, Mexico, on board the Carnival Valor. It's national championship-worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends. Send us a picture by Twitter with the hashtag BamaCruise or upload a Pick at the game Nashville.com. Book your cruise at CrimsonDyeCruise.com and get $150 off with promo code GAME. Jared and the GM, Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025 the game. And a couple of huge third downs for you. And, and one of those guys helping you out, Emmanuel Sanders, who you told us this week, came along quicker than you thought. What about tonight? Yeah, he uh, you know, he picks it up quick. He's a vet and he's a pro, you know, so he just uh, I don't know, it's awesome having a guy like that. And then you got credit the guys up front to give us time to be able to throw those types of routes. So it's it's a big team effort. Eight no. How does that feel? Feels great, baby. <laughs> Happy Halloween right back at you. Thanks so much. Definitely, no problem. It is Halloween. Oh, all right. That was last night on the broadcast. Was that Jimmy G? Yeah, Jimmy G. Feels good, baby. Feels good, baby. <laughs> so a lot of people, like some people, Jeez. were pretty upset that Jimmy G said that to Aaron I Andrews. Guess. See, I didn't take it like that. Oh, it wasn't very classy. I took it like the, I, I think it. I think he popped out of his mouth without him even thinking. I I think that. So a lot of people are upset at Jimmy Garoppolo for calling Aaron Andrews baby. I look at it like you know when you're watching the game and it's a touchdown, you're like touchdown, baby. You know that's where that came from. Maybe the other thing. It, well, was that Brady apparently calls McDaniel's babe? Uh, like in all those emails that were released from the Deflate Gate thing, it had like a bunch of emails from Brady. Like there's this one, like every email that's a personal email from Brady that got released led to some story about Brady. So, for example, there was the one email where he told his friend, "Yeah, Peyton's got two or three more years left, and I'm going to be doing this for a lot longer than him." And then Brady had to apologize to Peyton for that. And then there was the one where he and Bridget Moynihan were talking about the son getting a reading award and how Brady was just so proud of the kid and how hard of a learner he is and all that stuff. 
Uh, and like I saw, like Yahoo, Yahoo had like a psycho, uh, a psychologist, a parental psychologist evaluate the tiny little email exchange between Brady and Bridget Moynihan. And then some of the things that came out were like emails to McDaniels, and in them he would call McDaniels babe. <laughs> so maybe Jimmy G just calls everybody babe too. Maybe. But a lot of people did take <laughs> issue with him saying, ain't no baby to yeah. Aaron Andrews. You got a problem with that? I am stunned. That's I what figured I'm you would I, say, I, hey, I, in 2019, I, we can't say anything I anymore. Thought you, I thought you would be the first one to jump on that. And, and instead, it kind of struck me the wrong way. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I, I call somebody sweetie. And you are all over me. Yeah, you can't call a waitress at a restaurant, sweetie. I call my daughter-in-law, sweetie. She's your daughter-in-law. The waitress at the restaurant is not your daughter-in-law. Well, I don't mean it as, I mean, it's a term. I know what you mean. I'm just telling you, you can't say it. I'll never forget the first time. Sweetie, sweetie, I'm like. No, 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 boy, don't do it. I almost no. got up and left the table. Left me like, alone. Go, What's wrong? I, I, I am you not getting fired for you in 2019. And this uh, okay. was, uh, hey, this was, uh, you know, the times of our country are what they are. I was not losing my job because Floyd <laughs> called the waitress at Jeff Ruby's sweetie. I was not going to lose my job over that. Uh, so the athletic has their uh, mid-season awards. We're at the halfway point of the NFL. And so I'll just go through and give you what the writers have, all the 47 athletic writers. Is it? Okay. So all, it's like all the, so all like the writers vote. And the, yeah. Yeah. So the MVP of the league is Russell Wilson of the Seahawks. Wilson received 36 of 47 votes, also receiving votes Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. Do you think that Russell Wilson is probably the league MVP up to this point? Oh, I, I probably wouldn't argue with it. You know. Now, this is the one where I think you'd argue with. Coach of the year, Frank Reich, Indianapolis Colts. Runner-up, Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, and Bill Belichick got five votes. Shanahan behind Payton and Reich. And I think you could make a great case for Payton for coach of the year as well. But yet you said yesterday you think Shanahan is going away, Coach. Yeah, I think he's done. The, he's he's come the farthest with the leastest. Um, but as far as they're going now, I mean, with San Francisco, it's hard to say they're the leastest anymore. I mean, they look pretty power packed. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. First off, I think Coach of the Year should not be an award that is just given to you based upon what your team did last year. Now, if your team was god-awful last year and you turned them around to a respectable team this year, then that, that is grounds to win Coach of the Year. But it, to me, it's not like I, you should necessarily win Coach of the Year. Uh, and then on the other side of that, I mean, Sean Payton lost Drew Brees and did not lose a game. That's pretty impressive. And they're doing it with defense and special teams, and Payton is an offensive coach. I, well, I'd be hard for me to not give it to Payton. And then Reich obviously lost to Andrew Luck before the season started. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it's always the same to me, which is, I mean, Coach of the Year is, I, I want it to go to the guy that's done the mostest with the leastest. To me, that's Coach of the Year. The problem is sometimes that guy wins a Super Bowl, and he's never recognized because he's won a Super Bowl. And sometimes that guy only wins five games. And he's never recognized because he only wins five games. 
I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's always somebody that's kind of in the middle and, okay, let's see how they're going. And then as the season goes on, they get a little bit better and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs and he's coaching year and that's all well and good. But, but um, a lot of times, and uh, you know, a guy that's either won a bunch or lost a bunch may be just as good a coach. Or or done a better job, mm-hmm. but people don't re- ever recognize. Well, it's this. like Belichick. I mean, this Patriots defense may be historically one of the best defenses ever. Oh yeah, Belichick doesn't have a defensive coordinator. Belichick is in charge of the defense, yeah. but they'd never give Belichick coach of the year. No, I mean it's just he he wins too much. It's too obvious and surprising. Defensive player of the year. They go Stephon Gilmore of New England. Uh, Nick Bosa finished second. Shaq Barrett and uh, Miles Garrett. Finished second or finished third. Devin McCourty, Cam Jordan, uh, Aaron Donald, Zadarius Smith, and Jamie Collins all receiving votes as well. Are you okay? I'm stunned, Bosa, and I think Bosa is a stud for the 49ers. I'm stunned, Bosa's second though on defensive player of the year. Well, I think this is the same thing that we talked about before. You know, defensive player of the year is going to be one of three guys. He's going to be the guy that leads the league in interceptions. He's going to be the guy that leads the league in sacks or the guy that is is Aaron Donald who can do a little bit of everything and do it all really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, because, the, I mean, a lot of these voters, a lot of these guys and players used to do this all the time with the Pro Bowl. They want to vote. Who's the best receiver in the league? Well, who caught the most balls? Well, that's not what I ask you. <laughs> right. I, you know, I want to know who's the best receiver. But they look at the receptions, and they think because that guy's got the most receptions, he's the best receiver. Well, that's not the case. Um, but a lot of guys get voted into, you know, all pros and all whatevers just because of things like that. Who's the best defensive end? Who led in sacks? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean, but it's the way it's going to be forever. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Nick Bosa. Um, obviously, Bosa would be. Breakout Player of the Year, Shaq Barrett, Tampa Bay. I think we learned all we needed to know about Shaq Barrett last week. And Comeback Player of the Year, Teddy Bridgewater, is who they go with uh, from The Athletic. And some of these preseason picks are just so comical. For example, uh, for example, the preseason pick for comeback player of the year is Carson Wentz. <laughs> How's he done this year? Yeah. Preseason uh, pick by the Athletic for breakout player of the year, Sam Darnold of the Jets. Well, he's got mono <laughs> and was seeing ghosts on he's, Monday he's Night breaking Football. Breaking out with something. Although he years. did, he <laughs> did have one good game against the Cowboys. Yeah, he did. Mixed in there some way, somehow. I didn't see that's it because I was watching just, Titans. That's got to just kill the Cowboys. We they, talk about up and down teams. You know, here's a team that's that's playing pretty good, and they go out to the Jets and get hammered, get killed, yeah, just crushed. And so there you have it. Those are the preseason, you know, polls or anything like that. Titans nowhere on any list for anything, and I can't say I blame them. Although, if you make the playoffs and do, well, and he continues to do well, Tannehill may be a candidate for comeback player of the year. Maybe. I mean, probably not over Teddy Bridgewater, but I think he would probably be a candidate. Well, Teddy would have played five games, and Tannehill would have played ten. You know, so maybe that's a difference for him. 
615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Coming up next, I want a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It is time for Floyd's three things. Three things he wants to see against the Panthers on Sunday. Three things he does not want to see. We'll discuss that next. Jared and the GM right here. It's a Fireball Hot Take Friday, and it's ESPN 1025, the game.